Welcome back to the Preacher Chick Podcast. I am your host, the Preacher Chick. I'm Stacy, and today's regular episode, not reading the Bible episode, today's regular episode is from a sermon that I preached a couple weeks ago. I know I've shared quite a few of those lately, but I have gotten a lot of feedback from our own church about how these have really been beneficial, and so I thought I'd be sharing some of them here on the podcast for others to listen to and hope that you find some encouragement. We've been talking about what it means to be a healthy biblical church and healthy biblical believers in our church lately. And this episode is from a sermon series and um, it's all about our commission, what Jesus commanded us as co-laborers with him in the kingdom to evangelize and reach the lost. I hope that you enjoy it and that you'll even consider sharing it with a friend, rating it, um, and subscribing to the podcast so that you don't miss anything in the future. Without further ado, here's the message. I was reminded of the song, and I don't know if you've heard it yet. It's a fairly new song, and we haven't done it here, but um, it's... uh, it says, um, it goes through this whole thing about like the things that God has done. And then it says, um, you're too good to not believe after everything I've seen, you're too good to not believe, you know, and that's just, that's what I'm standing on right now in the middle of things that, that I'm facing and my family is facing and, and just the stuff like, like Pastor Byron said that there are so many great things happening, but man, some of the things that are hard are just really, really hard. But in the middle of it all, he's too good to not believe. I've seen him do too much to doubt that he won't do it again. Amen? We've spent the the last three weeks looking at the reality that there is no perfect church. And if you think you find one, um, that as soon as, you know, humans walk in the door, it's not perfect anymore. But through all of that, we've also seen ways that we can grow and become healthier and more mature in our faith. And it's important that um, as we're living our lives that we honor and glorify God and that we're pursuing spiritual health. And for the next few weeks, uh, minus the week that you're going to hear from Project Rescue, which I'm super excited about, we're going to be exploring the values that should define our relationships with those inside and outside of the church, and that when we fulfill our biblical call to these four C's that I'm going to share, the commission, community, the commandment, and collaboration, when we, are, when we are fulfilling those things, we can be the church that will glorify Jesus. And just like the Acts 2 church, that many will be added to the kingdom daily. I really believe that. Here at GC First, our vision revolves around our belief that we have a great commitment to the great commission and the great commandment. And that's what will grow a healthy and great church. It's what we believe. The great commandment, in case you don't know, can be found in several places in Scripture, but specifically Matthew 22. Um, It says when Jesus said this to the people, they asked, Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? And he said to them, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. 
The Great Commission can be found in Matthew 28, 19, and 20 when Jesus told the disciples before he ascended to heaven, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. We can connect these four C's that we're going to look at for the next few weeks to our mission statement that is summed up in four E's. <laughs> okay? So you've got commission. Well, our E is that we will extend God's love to the world. Community. That E is to encourage deeper relationships with God and his people. Commandment. We believe that it's important that we experience the presence of God, and also what fits in there is that we encourage and we extend. And then collaboration, where we empower God's people for service. Today we're going to focus in on the first one, which is the commission. And in Matthew 9, we see Jesus stir in his followers a compassionate love for others, and he calls them to share this truth with the world. In Matthew 9, beginning in verse 35, Jesus continued going around to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. We're talking about evangelism. That's the commission, to evangelize the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Of all the things that we can say are our favorite aspects of Jesus, and I mean, would, can you really even do that? Can you say, well, this was my favorite thing about Jesus and not just be like, Jesus is my favorite thing, Right? But I, I think that one thing I appreciate so much about his life is that he lived out examples of everything that he expected and expects of us today. He lived it out for those who followed him to see it so that when he was no longer physically with them, they would know what to do. Do you know what I mean? He didn't just tell the disciples to go and then sit back and kick his feet up. He exhibited what going and telling looked like. He exhibited what sharing the message of hope and the love of God looked like. And then he sent out the disciples. He commissioned all who would follow him to do the same. Jesus, at this point in Scripture, has been on a kind of a city and church hopping tour. Like, he's going all around. He's going to synagogues. He's, he's shaking things up. He's going into cities, and he's creating scenes. He has taught about the gospel of the kingdom in many different places and synagogues, and his power has been performing like an abundance, a plethora of miracles along the way. I, as I was preparing this message, I pulled out the book that I did, the textbook I did for the class that I took on local church and evangelism, which, Linda, is that the, no, you're not doing that one right now, um, but the local church and evangelism, and the author of it is Pastor Randy Hurst, who is the Advancement Director um, for the Assemblies of God World Missions Department. And I like how he explains evangelism. He says it like this. If viewed from a biblical perspective, evangelism goes beyond proclaiming the message 
and even leading people to a decision to receive God's forgiveness through Christ. And then he goes on to quote William Temple, who was uh, the 98th Archbishop of Canterbury from 1881 to 1902, and he says this, and this is what's on the screen. Evangelism is to so present Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit that men might serve him as in the fellowship of his church. I'm going to say it again because I don't know what happened to the microphone. And I know you can read it, but I'm going to say it again. Evangel, because can we just like, he was the Archbishop of Canterbury. This, I'm going to be, it's not like this was like a Holy Spirit filled Acts 2 kind of a, do you know what I'm saying? Evangelism is to so present Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit that men might come to trust him as Savior and serve him as Lord in the fellowship of his church. If you jump over to chapter 10 of Matthew, you'll find that Jesus was sending out the disciples to do what he modeled because evangelism is just as much about discipleship, which is becoming more like Christ, as it is reaching the lost with the good news. We can't treat evangelism and discipleship as separate things because the reality is, I want to pause here for a second though. We're not discipling people who don't know Jesus. We're evangelizing people who don't know Jesus and in the process, we are becoming discipled. We are becoming more like him and then we're creating, we're helping other people become more like him. We can't disciple people who don't know Jesus. You can't expect the world to act like Jesus says to, look, to, to act. They don't know. Are you with me? I think that's really important. We live our lives in the church, especially this, this right now in this culture that we're in, and we get so mad when the world is sinful. They're not Jesus followers yet. We're evangelizing the lost so that we can make disciples, and in the process of doing that, we are being discipled. Are you following me? So we can't treat them as two separate things because if we are living out the mission of reaching the lost, we must realize that it includes sharing the good news, but we're not just praying with somebody on the street saying, now you know Jesus and walking away, right? We're leading people to a decision to follow Jesus, and then we, we disciple them to do the same because they become messengers to the lost as well. So who is an evangelist? Ephesians 4.11 lists the offices, right? That he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. And while we see here that the evangelist is an office of calling, the truth is that every follower of Christ shares the responsibility to be, to be able and willing to present Jesus to those who don't know him. Evangelism is important. I would even dare say that it is crucial. You can't pass the work off to someone else because you've not received the call to be a vocational evangelist or because it's uncomfortable or because we pay somebody else to do that. We don't shirk our responsibilities to share the hope of Jesus Christ just because it might not be a home run every time. Our motives matter. There's another theologian, an Anglican theologian, uh, J.I. Packer, and he says there are, in fact, two motives that should spur us constantly to evangelize. The first is love for God and concern for his glory, and the second is love for man and concern for his welfare. In other words, 
We evangelize because we love God and because we love people. We evangelize because the Lord said that we are to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. Now, I know that some people won't like this, but politics has muddled what it means to be an evangelist or to be evangelical, even. So it's really no surprise that we are so conflicted about whether or not the act of evangelism, sharing the good news, sharing your faith in hopes that someone will come to know Jesus, that it's even okay. And I recognize this reality, but I want to step further out on this very uncomfortable limb, and I want to challenge us all to make sure that our focus and our priority lies in eternity and in the kingdom of God and not culture or anything else. Nothing else matters. The kingdom of God matters. I heard this week, I heard somebody say that, that, that you know, we often talk about how, um, how, how did they say it? That, um, that culture has influenced things, but friends, God didn't create the world to be what it is. He created the kingdom, and so kingdom is what sets and influences culture. We are the ones who do that. We are the ones who are to do that. It should be our priority above anything and every, everything else. People are dying and going to hell. Friends, for the literal love of God, open your mouth. Live a life that is worth somebody following. Don't be afraid to tell people about Jesus I'm, I'm just as guilty here. We have to stop making excuses as to why we can't present the gospel, be it fear of rejection or fear of crossing a line of political correctness. It is 2022, and the majority of us hold computers in our hands all day long. I mean, that's unbelievable, but it's real. We hold computers in our hands all day long. At any given moment, we have the opportunity and the ability to find a scripture that can help answer a question. You don't have to worry about looking stupid. First of all, you don't have to know it all. Secondly, you have resources in your fingertips to help you find answers. You can call somebody, go to BibleGateway.com, open the Bible app. You can, do a, you can do a Google search, scriptures about blah, 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 and everything will pop up. I, I kind of feel like as for as much as we want to complain about technology, it's kind of taken excuses away, and yet we still throw them out there. Anyone who uses social media has a platform. How are you using your platform? How are you stewarding the platform that you have? Are you ranting about how horrible life is? Are you ranting about politics? Or are you promoting that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords? And listen, I know, it's okay to have an opinion on politics. That's not what I'm saying. Because we are part of the world here, right? So we should care. Not more than reaching the lost. Not more than reaching the lost. There are so many videos you can find to help teach you. I love the Bible Project. The BibleProject.com has tons of wonderful videos that will help teach you things about scripture that you may not understand. I mean, they do like book by book videos. They do topical videos. They do words. 
you want to, I mean, you, there, there's, there's no, ex well, I don't really know how to, I don't, I don't care. I call bull. There's too many opportunities. And you know what else? Oh, I'm going to get on a soapbox here. You know what else? If you want to make a difference here, stop not coming to church. We have Bible studies for adults every Wednesday night. You want to grow? You want to learn? You want to be better at evangelism? Show up. I want you to know you can share the fun things that make you laugh. Oh, my gosh, that's what actually helps you connect in a human way that brings down walls so that you can build relationship and get to talk to people. But you also should be sharing that, that scripture that smacked you right in the face. You know? Or that song that just wrecked you while you were driving, not wrecked your car, but while you're driving your car and you can almost barely see to drive because the tears won't stop flowing. You can share that too. You can send a text to somebody when they pop into your head, hey, just thinking about you today. Especially those who aren't believers. Hey, I just wanted you to know you came to my heart today and I'm praying for you. I refuse any longer to let people go to an eternity in hell while I stand by. And I could have told them that Jesus loves them. I'm done. It's this renewed sense of urgency in my heart that made me think about this, the quote, and I've said it here before, by Charles Spurgeon. If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions, and let not one go unwarned or unprayed for. I'm at that point where if you're going to go to hell, you're going to do so while my arms and my deadweight body is held onto your ankles. And I'm done playing the game. Jesus loves people. He died on the cross, not just for you, not just for good people. He died on the cross so that all might come to know the Father. And he gave us the privilege to partner with him to tell the world that good news. For too long, especially here in the American church, which is what I know best, it's what you know best, right? <laughs> It's what I'm going to talk about. Believers have expected paid professionals, church staff, pastors, evangelists, missionaries, to be the ones to do this work. In places around the world where there aren't a significant number of paid ministers or leaders, trained ministers or leaders, friends, those congregations are, are busting because they all recognize that they have a part to play in reaching the lost too. And for further clarification, if it doesn't matter how long you've been following, a Christ, been following Christ, well, I've only been a Christian for a few months. Ah, it's fresh and exciting for you. Get out there and tell somebody. I've been following Jesus for 70 years. It's somebody else's turn. Who said? I don't read in Scripture where there's a retirement age on telling people about Jesus. There's been a lot of research done that shows that the most, most of the personal evangelism in any congregation is done by those who have been Christians for less than a year. We want to grow the kingdom. We want to grow our church. We start by bringing people in and leading them to Jesus. 
being effective isn't determined by the number of years you have on your belt or the number of classes you've taken. That's not what it's about. The point is that hell is real and people are dying and they are going there. And we have the answer. We hold the remedy, the directions for turnaround. Will everyone receive it? No, Jesus even said that. Not everybody's going to not everybody's going to respond and receive him. But that's their decision, not yours and not mine. And every time we hold back and don't tell somebody about Jesus, we're actually making that decision for them. We've decided that they won't accept Jesus, not them. And I just can't help but like need to offer this prayer. I wrote it down because as, as I was typing this message, this is the prayer that came to me. And Lord, forgive us for not carrying the urgency of reaching the lost out in our daily lives. Forgive us for passing off the responsibility to the missionary, the evangelist, or the pastor that we give money to. God, burden our hearts for the lost the way it burdens yours. Open our eyes to the plight of the ones outside the fold. Give us compassion, boldness, and wisdom to speak life to spiritually dead and dying. Strengthen our weakened and our tired hands and hearts and fill us with the fire and zeal of God. God, give us Granite City. God, give us Illinois because we hold the keys to the kingdom and we want to let all who will come in. Father, show us how ripe the field is for harvest and raise up your people to get busy about the Father's business because we're all still here. Not one of us is done. We repent and lament that we've not been doing enough. God, help us. Why do we do this? What's the goal? Found this summed it, summed it up pretty well in the evangelism book that I mentioned already. And that, uh, Pastor Randy Hurst wrote, "The goal of evangelism is more than a salvation decision. It's a change in lifestyle, a life following Christ in obedience to His teaching and commands. The end objective is a disciple, a committed." and faithful follower of Christ. Evangelism should always be undertaken with the objective of discipleship, and discipleship should always prepare believers for evangelism. God has given us a beautifully holistic faith. Speaking the gospel is just one part of making disciples. Being an effective evangelist means living a life that honors the Lord, and we don't have to be perfect. That's not what it's about either. But the reality is that no one wants to hear about your God if he's had little effect on your life. That includes your life at work or at school, at home, online. You know, if you see a vehicle on the side of the road broken down and smoke rolling out from under the hood and you notice it has the name of a local mechanic emblazoned on it, um, are you going to be quick to take your car to that mechanic? I mean, we all know things happen, but like, come on. Would you be enthusiastic about asking them when your car needs a tune-up? Probably not. So we can wear our loving God, loving, 
loving, our loving, pe- loving God, loving people shirts. We can wear, I've got a necklace on, let your light shine. We can wear all of that stuff. We can post it on social media. We can use our Jesus brand. And I'm not saying those are bad things, but if we're living a life with very little love or grace or we're walking about hopeless and without joy, no one's going to want to come to us when their life's falling apart. Probably no one's going to want to turn to God when their life's falling apart. The goal, friends, is to be authentic believers. We're not hiding that we struggle. We're not hiding that life is hard. But in the middle of the struggle and in the middle of the heart, it's what we're saying, this is how I fight my battles. I speak Jesus when things aren't going right. I'm not going to walk around defeated. I'm going to walk around saying, my life is really, really hard right now, but my God is so good, and I refuse to give up. That's what draws people. What do you have? Because my life is falling apart, and I can't seem to see the end of the road, but why, why are you smiling? Let me tell you about my Jesus. We are supposed to be living on mission all the time. Not just on Sundays or Wednesdays. Not just when the church has a special offering like Project Rescue or Convoy of Hope. Not just when we have an outreach. All the time. We are on mission. When we are being intentional to live Jesus all the time, the goal of evangelism will be reached because it's just second nature. It's just what happens. It, you know, it's like when, when Paul walked down the street and his shadow walked, washed over people who, who were, you know, crippled or, or sick and they got healed. Why? Because he just abided in Jesus and did what he did. So everything about him accomplished the mission. When we're intentional, when we're growing in Christ ourselves, when our eyes are open to what's around us, it just happens that you have opportunity to tell people about him. It's, it, that's the way it works. It just becomes second nature. It just becomes second nature. That's the goal friends, that we would be so in touch and so in tune with the heartbeat of God that every word we speak, every step we take, every action we make would point to Jesus and would help others find their way to him. I hope that this encouraged and challenged you and that you find a way, if you've not been living on mission, to start living on mission today. I pray that you would have an opportunity today to be a light for Jesus. No matter where you go, no matter what you're doing at home, at school, at work, wherever you may be, that you have an opportunity to shine a light for Jesus. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time.